Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. So, really excited about this series. We've been looking at how God, in His sovereign, miraculous plan, uses unlikely people. The unlikely choice of God that He would choose people and insert them into His will. Last week we said He uses imperfect people to complete His perfect will on the earth. And you see that glaringly in the beautiful story of Christmas. As we look at the different characters and how God weaves them all together, and it's to encourage us, no matter what we've been through, no matter really who we are, that God still delights in using the unlikely people to accomplish His will and His purpose on the earth through our lives, to serve other people, to be a strength for other people, and for His will to be accomplished on the earth. He can do it in your family. He can do it in your personal life. He can do it in your community. He can do it through you to your neighbor, to whoever you go to school with. It doesn't matter. God's looking for somebody who will be a nobody and do it not for their glory, but for his glory. And we see this in this incredible story of Christmas. The unlikely choice today, last week we looked at Joseph. We're going to look at Mary. And so let's begin today looking at the account in Luke chapter 1. And this is speaking one of, uh, mentions Elizabeth who was her cousin, but then I'll explain later as we get into the message. Luke 1 starting verse 26, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words, and that's what we're going to be looking at today. But she was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. And so I want to begin just by looking at an unlikely choice that God would choose Mary. Why Mary? Why Mary? And so when the words were spoken to Mary from the angel Gabriel, it says that she was troubled. She was troubled by that. And so the first point today as we lean into this is that the choices, the unlikely choices of God can be troubling to our human understanding. 
I don't know if you've ever had God do something in your life or, or you hear a truth about God's word or there is a, God begins to work in your life and you, first response isn't yay, it's oh man, you're troubled. I don't know if you've ever just lived your life normally and then something happens and God, and God says something and does something, but to our natural minds, it makes no sense. Has that ever happened to you that God would do something and to our natural minds, how, this doesn't make sense. And so we know that God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, and he greeted, you are highly favored, the Lord is with you. The angel said, you're highly favored. The Bible says Mary was troubled. Mary's like, I don't know if I like this kind of favor. But there was a troubling there. And she wondered, what kind of greeting can this be? I don't know if you've ever considered the context of Mary and her life and what was going on. I don't know if you've ever really just leaned into it and looked at it. Because just a few verses before, the angel Gabriel was sent by God and had a message for Zechariah to let Zechariah know, who was a priest, that God had heard his prayer. Zechariah didn't have a, have, have, a, have, have a son, and so he'd been praying, and they were old. And now the, the angel Gabriel said, I'm going to give you a son. Now, and when you read this account, most of us would probably be tempted to think, well, of course the angel would appear to Zechariah. He's a priest. He's a, he's, he's a big deal. He's, a, he's in the line of, of Aaron. He, he serves the people for God. He has a lot of influence. He has, he's got all the right pedigree to be used of God. But God didn't go to Elizabeth or Zechariah about the Savior of the world. God came to this humble country girl, minding her own business, going about her way, planning to get married, and he chose her. And so Mary didn't understand the fullness of what this angel had said. Says so she was, one translation says she was deeply troubled. Now maybe. It could be the reason she didn't understand is because she didn't consider herself significant enough to be chosen by God. I mean, maybe she was thinking, listen, Angel, Gabriel, are you sure you're talking to the right girl? Are you sure you got the right one? Are, are you thinking of my cousin? She lives a very simple life, small town girl, like, Angel, like Gabriel, I, you know, no disrespect, but Zachariah is important. Elizabeth is a, is a well-known woman of God in the city. I think you're knocking on the wrong door. I think you missed it. Not that she said that, but there was this sense she was troubled and she didn't understand. And for her to think this, out of all of the, the more well-known people, the more influential people within, within Judaism, within Israel, the more established, she wasn't even married yet, 
those who are more socially important. I mean, it makes sense that God would do it that way. It, it would make sense. One, it'd be, a, it'd be much less scandalous if you just go to a couple that's married already and just angels show up the night before the wedding and say, hey, you're pregnant. And it, it would make more sense, but that's not what God does. He chose Mary, an unknown young woman, to become one of the centerpieces in the redemption of the whole world. You know, many of us probably feel at times that our life is insignificant. Maybe many of us feel like I'm, I'm too small for God to use, or what do I have to offer for God to use? Well, what did Mary have? What did, what did this situation have? And maybe some of us have this low grade, or maybe it's cranked up a little bit, this sense that I am insignificant. Because when we look, we always see other people who would who'd be a better fit for God to use or a better fit for, to accomplish some things, a better fit to raise a godly family, a better fit to, to, to do something, to be a missionary, a better fit to, to, to shine for Jesus at my work or at my school. You know, there's somebody that's, that's just more suited for that. But the Christmas t- story tells us the opposite. It tells us that God likes using unlikely people to do incredible things. He's just looking for a willing heart that says, God, use me. But many times when God begins to move in our life and invite us into, could be a closer relationship with him, could be to do something, could be to make a decision, whatever it may be, Most of the time, the first sense and feeling is, ooh, that's troubling. Because it doesn't fit within our human understanding. Why would God ask us to do something? Or why would God invite us to know him more? Why would God do something that just, I can't fit in my human brain? Why? Because he's God. And if you can understand everything about God, then he's actually not God. If a finite mind can understand everything about an infinite God, then he's not God. God's purposes are working on the earth and working in our lives, and he leads us to do things and make decisions that we can't fully wrap our brains around it. But that's the journey of walking with God. And so this troubled Mary. It even troubled the religious leaders. Jesus ministering within Israel troubled the religious leaders because they had a better plan, they thought. I mean, they had been praying for the Messiah. They had been waiting for the Savior. And so God answers their prayers and they're like, "Mm, nope, I don't want it this way. I would say for most of us, 
When God begins to do something in our life, there's a reaction, a sense of troubling because we don't understand it. I believe many people don't see the fulfillment of God's purposes in their life or what in their families or what they're doing because we think, oh, that troubling means it's not God. Now, I'm not saying trouble comes, it, you, all trouble is from God. No, some of it is our own, our own decisions. It's our, it's our own failures. I get all of that. And, and that's a different kind of troubling. I'm talking about when God is moving in our lives, most of us say, hit the eject button when we feel troubled. Because it doesn't make sense. It wouldn't have made sense to Mary. Surely God doesn't want to do things and use us to accomplish things, and it causes people to misunderstand us. Surely God would just make it make sense and just, it, you know, the path of least resistance where everything falls into place and we go, oh, yes, this makes sense. But that's not how God does things. That's not how he does them, especially in the Christmas story. The religious leaders, they wanted a savior, but they wanted a political savior. They wanted, they wanted someone to come in and overthrow the Roman Empire. They weren't looking for a spiritual savior. They were looking for someone to come in and, and deliver them from the oppression of the Romans. And they had scriptures to back it up. They had scriptures about their land. They had prophecies about, about them about freedom. They had all of these things, and so the Messiah shows up. And what he came to do through the will of God was troubling to them. And not only that, Jesus shows up and he starts saying, like, he, one, he has influence and he's healing people and, and casting demons out of people. He's teaching in the synagogues. So not only was he saying he's the Messiah, and they're like, no, you're not, because you're not overthrowing the military. He's saying crazy stuff, like, love your enemy. Do good to those who despise you. Pray for those who persecute you. Return good for evil. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says this. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you reject me, you reject Yahweh, the Father. So they can't wrap their heads around it because it doesn't make any sense to their human understanding. God does things like this all the time. He does things that are troubling to us because it doesn't fit in our box it doesn't fit in our understanding. I do this, you do this, we all do this. We're faced with decisions that we're like, okay, I wanna make a decision, but, but I feel like this is the right direction, but that's troubling because people are gonna misunderstand me, or that's troubling because I don't know if it's gonna work out. 
Surely God couldn't be asking me to do something that doesn't totally make sense in my mind. Why would God do things like that? But this, many times, is the way that God leads us. And we see this in the life of Mary. And so when something doesn't fit in our box, then what? Comes to point number two in this passage. Surrendering our plans to God always leads to something that is ultimately eternally greater than our original plan and expectation. God has led Cheryl and I many times. Made some shifts and changes in our life. And I can't say I remember any time that we felt God leading us to make a shift and change in our life that I wasn't troubled. That I wasn't thinking, oh man, how's that going to work out? What about my kids? What about my taking care of my family? We were, we were living in England and it was <clears throat> God had opened the door supernaturally for us to be there. He had, we had got visas through this most miraculous way. We were ministering there. God was blessing the ministry. People were coming to Christ. We were serving in the local church. We were seeing growth. And what, what, what's crazy is that God supernaturally opened all these doors for us to be there. And then once we're there and we look around, we go, this is God's blessing. God speaks to us and begins to lead us and, and put, put this, this idea in our heart that I think we're supposed to go back to faith. And I've shared with you this story before. I told Cheryl and she goes, nope, that's not God. Nope, not him. <laughs> we were enjoying our life. We were enjoying where we lived. It was everything we had prayed for and believed for. God had supernaturally placed us there. And then he says, I want you to go back to Arvada. That doesn't make sense. We have people in our lives who are sweet and kind, and they go, did God change his mind? Um, no. He just said, do this. <laughs> and we were troubled. How? Why? We, we had loss and we grieved and we don't know. So we were coming back here to serve in a capacity as a missions pastor and it didn't make any sense. One time we were we were in need of some finances, and we really felt like the Lord said, give away your car. Now, how many know, I can sell the car, and I'll give you some of that money, God. He said, give it away. It was troubling. And God began to, to work in our lives and has worked in our lives over the years that we we do things that, we, that don't make any natural sense. 
But it's, it's the leading of the Lord. There was one time we were, and I'm not saying this, it's only by the grace of God. Um, and I'm not telling you this because I'm a, such a great man of faith. I, apparently I'm not a man of faith. That's why God's like, I got, I got to teach this boy some stuff. So we're at a missions conference and they're raising money for missionaries. And we were one of the missionaries there. This was great. You know, lots of fun. You know, it's good. And the Lord said, Every, everything that people pledge to give you, you pledge and give it to another missionary. This doesn't make sense, God. This is actually not how this works, God. I don't know if you know how missionaries actually go and do their thing. It was troubling. God told us to resign from actually this job in, in uh, 2009. Um, actually, I was the worship pastor at the time. And I said, okay, for what? And he says, first, first step, resign. Uh, how am I support, going to support our family? Sure, and I prayed about it. We really believed the Lord said, do it. So by faith, we resign. Every time it's been troubling. When we started leading here at the church, there was a really clear heart and direction in myself and the elders that the Lord was bringing us to a new season, that we were to come, we were to, to, to be at the, at, as a church, the purpose of why God has a church, what the scriptures say about the purpose of a church. We're to come and put Christ on the throne of this church, that every, every aspect of this church would be led and guided by his word, not by my imagination, not by my passions, but by the passion of Jesus. And that means we had to make some changes. We had to do away with some things. And guess what? Many of you were troubled. And those who were troubled too much aren't here anymore. Why would God do something that makes us feel uncomfortable? It's the ways of God. And so when we come to that place of uncomfortability, we surrender our plans and we hold our life like this. Not like this, like this. And we go, God, it's all yours. And as we walk it out, as we see in the life of Mary too, as you walk it out, you begin to see God doing things in your life you never thought was possible. And we see Mary doing this. And so my challenge to all of us today as we continue in this is when God is asking us to surrender what is comfortable, to surrender what is stable, to surrender what is normal, to surrender what, what, what we have planned in our own life. And we sense that, God, you're, you're asking me to, to give this up. Instead of seeing this as a crushing of you, which it, part of it it is. It's part of God's discipleship process in your life. But you also need to see it as an invitation from God. He's inviting you into his purposes and to his glory to actually be able to see something and experience something that you never could have unless you surrendered. And Mary surrenders. God sent the message to Mary that changes all of her comfortable, stable, normal, predictable plans. Mary is probably 
could have been 15, 16, 14, somewhere in there, because that was the custom of the time when a woman would be pledged into marriage. There would be a year waiting period. But I want you to think about where Mary's coming from and what's going on in her mind. I mean, what would be going on in your heart, in your mind, if God, if you were in her place and an angel appeared to you? Exciting, an angel. And then I'm troubled. Because there are some details that are going to have to get worked out. And I don't, how's all this going to happen? She was preparing herself for marriage. She's thinking about her home, her family. Talking with her mom about what she's going to wear and she's going she's to wear great-grandmother's this and mom's that and the excitement of a family. Talking about what are we going to have there at, for the meal, for the celebration. Checking with her dad, make sure there's going to be enough wine. Little does she know, 30 years later, Jesus takes care of the wine at a wedding. I think she was probably saying her, her new last name out loud and being like, man, that just sounds weird. But she kept saying it and her heart kept growing and becoming warmer with the fact that her and Joseph are going to start a family. Maybe thinking about names of her children. Am I going to have a boy first, a girl first? Then out of nowhere, an angel appears to her and says, hey, can you surrender all your plans? For Mary, this doesn't make sense. I mean, it doesn't make sense. So... You know, the angel's like, Mary, you're going to get pregnant before the wedding. It's not going to be Joseph's child. It's God. Don't let that upset you. I'm going to do a miracle. It's never been done before. It's never going to ever be done ever again. It's the virgin birth. And so the child you're carrying, Mary, is God himself. Now, this is something to consider just from this, the life of, of, this, of Jesus, who was fully God and fully man. There was a reason. He, he had God's purpose and plan was to send his son to be fully God and fully man, because we needed a human being that wasn't corrupted by sin to represent us. And we needed God to save us. But the question for this, if, if, if we want to look at this idea of the value of a pre-born child, is this, was there ever a moment, after, if, after Gabriel spoke and she conceived, was there ever a moment that Jesus, that child in her belly, wasn't fully God and fully man? Was there a moment that it was a clump of cells then became, then became fully man? No. The moment of conception 
That child was a person, Jesus. So none of this makes sense. If you look, look, if you look ahead, even at the cross, the, the, the cross was, were never the plans of the disciples. They're like, this, is, this can't be the plan. I mean, they were living the dream. They were traveling with Jesus. And I mean, it's like they don't even need, need grocery stores. Like, give me a loaf of bread, a couple of fish, and here, now we can all eat. Like, they're seeing all of this. They were known all over. They were famous. They got to see all of this up close and personal. And then Jesus dies on a cross and they scatter and they run for their lives. Why? Because it wasn't in the plan. It couldn't fit within their box. But afterwards, after his resurrection, they realized, hey, this is a much better plan than our original one. We didn't see all of this. And so God was leading even them as disciples through ultimately something eternally greater than their original plan and expectation for the nation of Israel, but also for the world. Many of us want something better. But we want God to do it our way. God, I want you to move in my life, but I'd like for you to run the plans by me first, just so I can give you a thumbs up on it. That's okay. God, I, I want my marriage to prosper, but I'd like to let you know how that's gonna happen and how they need to change because it's not me, it's them. God, I want my spiritual life to flourish and I wanna know you more. I want, I want my heart to be on fire, but I'd like to set the terms of what makes me comfortable and what, what I'm allowed to do that I can do whatever I want, but I still want a close relationship with you. God, I want your blessing on my finances, but I don't want to tithe and give regularly to church. But I want you to prosper me. I want you, I, so, so God, I, I, many of us want the great things of God. We want God to do miracles, but we don't want to change our thinking. How we do things. How we see our home, our cars, our life, our children, our marriage, our education. And I, I believe that God disrupts our plans actually because he's answering our prayers. That we want God to do something in our life. We want God to guide our steps. We want God to use our lives. We want God, we want to see God do miracles. We, we want it all. And so God's actually leading us. And so when we feel the trouble, when we feel that I, I, I don't see how this fits in my box, I don't, I, this, I, I don't think this, this works. Then we start thinking, what are people going to think? And Oh, this, surely God wouldn't ask me to do something that's going to cause people to think I'm, I'm crazy or I'm a fool. Surely that's not how God would work. Absolutely it is. And God invites us 
into things that are so much greater than we ever could have thought. I believe that there are, there are people who actually <laughs> pray and rebuke what God's doing in their life because I'm troubled. Surely I can't feel uncomfortable. This can't be God. We can't imagine that, that God would, would, would do something that would inconvenience us and impact our, what, we, what we planned out for the next 20 years. But it's God wanting to do something different and special and powerful in your life that's actually going to give you a sense of incredible fulfillment and satisfaction. And the best thing for us is to be open, to be sensitive and humble to what God is doing in our life. And the friction and the questions and the troubling could be God bringing us to something much better. Now, now God will never ask you to do something that's contrary to his word. He will never do that. It will never, it never. I had a, a, a gentleman come up to me at a of all things, of a Promise Keepers event, and he was working security, and I was talking with him, and he said, you know, um, the, God has spoken to me that I can divorce my wife. I said, excuse me? He said, yeah. He goes, I just, once he did, I just had so much peace. I said, well, has there been infidelity? No. I said, bro, that's not God. That's convenience. You, you felt peace because of the convenience. That's not God's peace. God will never ask us to do something. That's contrary to his word. But so we are to allow God to lead us and guide us in this journey with him. To bring us something more impactful, more fulfilling. And there are going to be times of fear. There's going to be times of troubling as we see with Mary. There's going to be times that this messes with our plans. There's going to be times this means you're going to have to break off engagements. Because you realize this is not the individual I want my children to turn out like. Here's a little marriage advice. Most people get married, and the woman thinks the man's going to change, and the man thinks the woman's going to stay the same. <laughs> and the opposite. This, this, this is when you lay your life at the feet of Jesus. You said it's yours. And just hearing that for some of us is like, that's troubling. It is. But on the other side of that is your greatest satisfaction in life. You were designed to be used of God to accomplish something in, in a family, through your role as a, as a man or a woman, in, in your workplace, for his kingdom, in the church. You were designed to walk in the supernatural but it's first by surrendering our own box of how things should and should not be. The angel of the Lord appears to Mary. Naturally, she's trying to wrap her mind around what the angel has said. 
Verse 30 says, the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Why would he say that? Because she was freaked out. You found favor with God. Now, let, 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 me, let me talk about this term favor. It's used many times. But most of the time, what it, the context of God give me your favor is this. God bless what I am doing or about to do. But true godly favor is, Lord, don't let me go anywhere, do anything that is outside of your will and purpose for my life. Most of the time we come with things we've, we've gathered and we're like, okay, God, all right, here, can you bless this so I can bring you glory through it? And he's like, yeah, I want you, I want you to lay it down. Funny story, my, my brother, Brian, I have a, a brother who's seven years older than me. He was in Bible college, and uh, he found the woman of his dreams. And he wanted, he wanted to ask her to marry him, but he was saving up for a wedding ring. And in college, you're broke. That's just how it is. And so he went to the president of the college. He scheduled a meeting with him. And he, and he said, hey, listen, I want to marry Sulema, but I've got this money that I can either buy a, a ring or I can put it towards my tuition. And the president said, well, you've made a commitment that you're going to have this paid off by the end of the semester. So you need to do that. So my brother's totally just like, like, I don't want to. Marry girl, ask girl to marry me with a Chuck E. Cheese plastic ring. Like, I don't, you know. And so he did it. He paid it. And the next day he went and ch checked his mail. And there was a note with that same amount of cash. And it says, because you laid down your Isaac, God has given it back to you. Though that's a natural thing. And... And so it was from the president, so he was, he was blessing him with that. But that is how God works. And so my brother got a ring and that money was applied to his tuition. But there are things that God, when we surrender them, he, it opens the door for him to do things in our life. And so what is, what is favor? I wonder, I wonder if this was, if she thought about what favor means. Oh, I'm highly favored. Maybe this means I'm going to have lots of kids, maybe. And so we naturally take what we, what we sense, what favor is, and then we apply it, and then we naturally walk out what favor actually looks like. But in all reality, for us to walk and step into something greater and better, we're going to have to give up control and allow him to do with our life whatever he chooses to do. We also have a choice in, in when God is working in us. When God begins to do unlikely things and, and, and ask us to do unlikely things that don't fit within our, within our box or does things and make some unlikely choices that we don't fully remember and understand, we're going to have to 
either respond to that moment, we can freak out, we can complain, we can pitch a fit, we can get mad at God, we can get mad at people, we can stop going to church, we can stomp around and say that's not fair, or we can lift our eyes to God and say, God, this is difficult and different and I don't understand, but I surrender. And we see this in the life of Mary. And we see number three from this passage is that God's choices and way leads to miracles. The angel says you will conceive and give birth to a son and you're to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So Mary, you're going to give birth to the Son of God, and his name will be Jesus. And he will be the Savior of the world. Whoa. This this wasn't her plan, but it was her cooperating with God's plan. We read this passage last week, but Isaiah 55 says, God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So no matter what's going on, maybe you're going through a difficult situation, and maybe it's God positioning you for something greater. Because God's ways are always better. God's ways are always more significant. God's ways are always higher than our plans. God's ways are always higher than our hopes, higher than our dreams. That the destiny of your life is going to be so much greater by surrendering to him than to you controlling the outcome of your life and plotting out your life plan. As we surrender, and when we surrender, the passage from Proverbs 16, that the mind of man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his step. So we're still to make plans. We're still to to put things together. We're still to walk our our life out. We're still to, to be disciplined and to grow in some of these things. But along the way, we're to allow God to direct our steps. In other words, there's going to be times where you're stepping here and, and something's going to happen or, or you're going to read something in Scripture or you're just going to get a sense and you're going to be like, I think I'm supposed to step here. But this also speaks of the faithfulness of God when you surrender your life, when you surrender control. Because he directs your steps, not you. Thank God. He sees the end from the beginning. He, he designed you and wired you. and He knows what's going to give you the most joy, most peace, most fulfillment. He knows what he's doing through your life. 
And so we walk, but we give him the opportunity to direct every step that we take. And then when, when we miss it, when we get out of his purpose or his plan and we make mistakes, which I've done and you've done, we just, we come back to where we were and say, oops, sorry, God. And he gives us his grace and we begin to walk fresh and new. But this is God's incredible story of not only what he wants to do with Mary, and here's Mary, this humble country girl who had her world blown up. She's the most famous woman in the world. She didn't care about that. But God used her. It's this passage out of Jeremiah 29, 11, and it's God speaking to the people of Israel, but it's, he's speaking to us. God says, I know the plans I have for you. This is a response actually to earlier that they're like, oh, God has abandoned us, or God has left us, or God doesn't care about us. He goes, wait, 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 wait. I know the plans I have for you. You think it's God's out to get you. No, my plans are to prosper you, not to harm you. My plans to give you hope and a future. That's God's plan for your life. God's purpose for your life as you surrender to him is to prosper you and not to harm you and to give you hope and to give you future. That's God's plans. And we think, no, God's plans are limiting. No, God's plans are, 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 are they're, they're not good. Or God's plans are, are going to make me be something I'm not. And, and God's plans, no, no. God's plans are exactly for you, for your purpose, for your destiny, for your life. He is a wonderful, loving God. He has plans for you. So when you think, oh, God's out to get me and, and, and always punish me. Now, he does discipline us just like any good father would, but he does it lovingly in a way that restores you not shames you, he restores you to where you should be. He, but God's plans for you are to prosper you, are to heal you, to make you whole, to give you satisfaction in life, to take your, your plans and him replace it with his plans. And the pathway to these plans may not make sense, may be painful, may feel out of control. It will require faith. In other words, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I'm going to lean in. It'll require repentance and forgiveness and trust. But the fact is this, God's ways are always the best and most rewarding It doesn't always look like it's going to work out. We have, this, we have this saying for our family, the right thing is always the right thing, no matter what the cost. And for following God, God's ways, God's way is always the best way, no matter what it looks like. And no matter what, it costs you. After the angel said these amazing things to Mary, we pick up in the story. 
And Mary asked the angel, but how, how can this be? I'm a virgin. She was simply saying this, <laughs> that's impossible. That's impossible. This can only happen if God does a miracle. And in the mind of Mary, what the angel just said made no sense. It was ridiculous and it required a miracle. It, it is physically impossible. As you follow Jesus, Friends, as you follow Jesus, I guarantee you will come to a place where God is going to disrupt your plans and life circumstances. And some are not going to be part of his will, but he can put you in a position that he will always work a miracle in your life as you surrender all those things to him. God's going to ask you to have faith, to believe in him. To trust him. And you're going to say at times that that's impossible. How, how can I forgive someone after they've betrayed me or abused me or broken my heart? Or how, how, how can you ask me, God, to tithe and trust you're going to meet my needs when I, 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 can't, I can't even meet my own? That's impossible. Or God, I, I don't, how can you heal our marriage? It's just too far gone. The things that I've said and have been said to me, I've, I've let my heart go somewhere else, God. I, or God, how, how can you reconcile my relationship with my children or my, or my in-laws? Because I hurt them. I abused them. I've made too many mistakes. That's impossible. Or God, how can you, how can you, how can you heal my mind? Because I'm, my mind goes nuts all the time. God, I feel with anxiety and I, how, this is the only way I know, God. Oh God, how, how can you use me to be a light in a, in a dark place and be a witness for you? And God, you know everything I've done. You know my sin. You know how far I've, I've, I've gone and I've drifted. I, I'm ashamed of myself. I, how, how can you use me, God? It's impossible. But in your doubts and in your fears, whatever it is today, I want you to hear what is spoken when Mary's like, that's impossible. Verse 37, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. Yes, but what about, no, no nothing. But you, no, nothing. Nothing is impossible. So no matter what God is asking you to do, no matter what you're facing, Let's respond in the same way as the Virgin Mary did. This teenage girl, verse 38, Mary responded. 
I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said, may everything you want, may everything that your plan and purpose is for my life, may it come true. I am your servant. This, this is the beauty of the Christmas story. That God uses unlikely things, unlikely situations, unlikely people to accomplish his incredible will through our lives, in the world, for our families, for future generations. He delights in it. And we get to be a part of it if we'll just surrender and trust him. And we'll begin to see God do amazing things in all of our lives. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you, God, for what you've spoken to us. Thank you, Lord, for the life of Mary that you've used as an example. Lord, today we simply surrender. We surrender our future. We surrender all things in our life right now. We surrender. And Lord, by your grace, we also pray, God, help us to surrender. We don't even, we don't even have the ability to surrender ourselves. We, we need you to help me, to help us surrender. And so, Lord, we open our hearts to you today. And whatever it is that you're asking of, of us, we just say yes. We don't even know what that is yet. But we say yes. We say yes to all the things that seem impossible. We say yes, but God, with man it's impossible. With you nothing is impossible. And so, Lord, may we understand today that you want to do things in and through our lives we never even dreamed of. So, God, lift our eyes to your dreams for us. Lift our eyes to your purposes for us. Lift our hearts. Lord, we come before you and we just surrender. God, we surrender the, the things in this church. We surrender the things in our lives. We surrender the vocation you've, we find ourselves in. We surrender our marriage. We surrender our children. We surrender our finances. We surrender our egos. We surrender our pride. We surrender our guilt. We surrender our shame. We surrender everything. And may what you say about us and to us in your word, may that be done in our lives. Let your kingdom come and let your will be done right here. Start with us as individuals and let it be done on the earth. Lord, thank you for who you are and your love to us. Just remain with your heads bowed for a moment. If you're here today and you've never put your faith in Christ, you've never surrendered your life to him, and you sense that he's tugging on your heart today, 
and you sense that you, you need a Savior. Nobody's looking around. If you want to receive Him today, just as a step of faith, just lift your hand right where you are right now. Just lift it up. Bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? I want to give the gospel an opportunity to land in your, in your life. Thank you. God bless you. If you raised your hand or didn't, it doesn't matter. But I'm going to lead you in a prayer that just affirms the decision that you've made, and we're all going to pray it together. Just say, Lord Jesus, I surrender. I give you my life. I repent of all of my sin. Cleanse me. Make me your child. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead. And from this moment forward, do with me whatever you want. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give God a hand today. Amen. If you gave your life to Jesus, or if you just want to take your ne the next step in your life and growing here at this church, you can scan the QR code, and we'd be honored to help you along your journey. Also, if you have any questions, you can stop by our guest um, center in the back. Let's all stand to our feet. And let me pray for you today as we leave. I love you. Grateful for you. Honored to be in, in this church with you. Also, at the end of service, we have folks who would be honored to pray with you and for you. If you have any needs, that's what we're all about. We're about people. So we want to join with you and pray that God will move in your life. So if you can't lift your hands to the Lord, I just want to pray God's blessing. God, bless your people. Lead them and guide them. Order their steps as you promised you would. May they leave here today knowing that you want to do amazing things with them and through their life. Lord, we love you and we bless you today. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you'd like to watch a service live online, you can join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. at live.faith.church. For everything else, visit faith.church. That's faith.church.